made in October as a celebration of your anniversary of joining the church. And I love that she chooses an act of service to celebrate her belonging here. And I think that's awesome. So thank you for reading today. We are nearing the end of our time in the book of James. James has, in the way that only James can, has schooled us over the past several weeks, giving us definite direction on how we should live out our Christian lives. Some of that advice, some of that direction has been easy to hear, and other directions have been a bit harder to swallow. But isn't that always the way? with words of instruction. I went uh, to the Church of the Savior in Cleveland Heights yesterday to hear Bishop Williman speak. Uh, the bishop is a retired United Methodist bishop. He's written 90 books. Uh, he's had a huge effect on Methodism, and I was in straight fangirl mode. It was, it was odd because he's a very unassuming uh, older gentleman, and I, you would have thought I was meeting like a celebrity. Uh, but it was awesome, and, and the bishop spoke about listening and how we, when we speak with God, we need to dare to listen because oftentimes the word that God has for us is something that may call us out of comfort, may make us uncomfortable. It might be something that we don't necessarily want to hear, but a truth that we need to hear. And so the bishop invited us to be darers to listen. And that's kind of what James has done for us this, uh, through this book that we've studied for the past several weeks. James dares us to listen because he's often confronting us with some truth that we need to hear. But as we move into this fifth chapter, James begins to soften his lesson just a little bit. He's not quite as direct in his teaching. There seems to be a bit of a softer edge now, almost as if uh, he's a parent who's come down a little too hard on his child. Have you ever done that? You know, your, your kids just, you, you lay it down. You let them have it. You just give, you know, they've really gone left of center, and so you're giving them some, some deep instruction, and then you realize that you may have come down a, a bit too hard, and so you soften, and you say things like, you know, this is all because I love you. And they look at you and say, well, could you love me a little less? Because that was harsh. I remember I got one spanking in my life. And my mother said, this is for your own good. And I thought, this is not for my own good. I do not agree with that at all. And I, if you want to hear that story sometime, I'll share it with you. It's complete wrongdoing on my mother's part. She's listening at home right now going, oh, let it go. You were in the first grade. James begins to point us toward the source of our power to live in our Christian life. James instructs us to turn to prayer. He says, is anyone in trouble? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of prayer. In other words, let them pray through their music. Is anyone sick? Let them call to the elders to pray. Let the community of faith gather around them to pray over them and bless them, to anoint them. James encourage us, encourages us to pray in all circumstances, to confess our sins to each other 
and to pray for one another so we may find healing. James reminds us of the power of our prayers. And then the writer reminds us of the power of Elijah's prayers to ask for the rains to end and to come again. So often in the Christian world, I hear words of worry, words of fear. I hear wonderings and the question of why things are happening. And inevitably, someone will say, well, what can I do? How can I help? And then we'll say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm good. I'll let you know. And then we'll say something like, well, at least let me pray for you. The word from James is reminding us that we should not at least or at last pray, but we should first pray in all circumstances. It reminds me of the word from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians. He says we should rejoice always and pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us. Strangely enough, because this is how my mind works, that this word from James reminded me of what the Apostle Paul said, but it also reminded me of an episode from Parks and Rec. Does anybody watch Parks and Rec? I love it. And the, there's an, so Parks and Rec, for those of you that don't know, is a TV show that comedically follows the operation of a Parks and Recreation Department in a small town in Indiana. The Parks and Rec Department in this episode that I was reminded of is hosting a sister city from Venezuela. And the representatives from Venezuela are shocked at the freedom of speech that is exercised in a town forum held in Pawnee. The representative tells the listener that if people spoke out that freely, in their country that they would be thrown into jail. And then he goes into a litany of the offenses that would get you thrown in jail. And he says things like, if you drive too fast, straight to jail. If you drive too slow, to jail. If you, if you charge too much for an item, straight to jail. If you charge too little, straight to jail. So you get the point. It doesn't really matter what the circumstance is, the end result is the same. And that's essentially what we're hearing from James and what we heard from the Apostle Paul and, and what we heard from modern television. Are you sick? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you hurting? Call for prayer. That's how important it is. In all circumstances, straight to prayer. And the same is being held for our faith life. James has called us to be doers of the word, to be uh, people of action. And so that's what he's saying. Live out your faith life and live and love out loud. So he's telling us to pray. Once again, we're being called into the game. We're being called off the bench, called into action, this time by having a holy conversation with God, by praying. Prayer is our response to any circumstance. Conversation with God is our go-to action, not depending on what's happening, but no matter what is happening. Pray. 
I also want to point something else uh, out about James' instruction around prayer. He points to personal prayer as a response to God. If you're ill, pray. If you're happy, praise and worship. But he also, if you notice, points to communal prayer as a response to life's circumstance. James instructs in the word, if you are ill, then you should call for the elders of the church. Now, don't take that literally. It doesn't mean it has to be someone of designation in the church. James means that you should call for the people of faith around you to pray for you, over you, with you. He even talks about anointing with oil, praying special prayers of healing over someone who is ill. James is reminding us of something that we talk about often in our churches. We are not meant to do this life alone. And in times of need, especially in times of need, you turn to your faith community. And you allow that faith community to come alongside of you and pray over you and minister to you. You invite that faith community into your darkest spaces because that is when you need support the most. But we, humanity, especially Americans, have this stubborn independent streak that really shows itself when things are going wrong. You know, we, we tighten up. We close in. We put our barriers up. And we say things like, oh, I'm fine. If I could banish a statement from the English language, it would be, I'm fine. First of all, when my husband asks me if I'm okay, and I say, I'm fine, things are not fine. Nothing is fine. That's, it's a weapon in a woman's arsenal, right? I'm fine. It's not fine. My husband knows that now. When we say to one another, nope, I'm good, I'm fine, rarely are we telling the truth. Our prideful, stubborn side is showing itself. We don't want to show our vulnerability when life becomes difficult and overwhelming. We turn inward, inward and we don't allow others to see us because we don't want them to see us at our worst. We don't want to feel ashamed or embarrassed. We don't want to allow ourselves to be vulnerable because what will they think? Will they think we're weak? That we can't handle things? Somehow in our culture, we've decided that you have to be able to handle all things, even though scripture says that we cannot handle all things. That's why we need God. When we need our communities the most, we are the least likely to reach out to them. This is not how we are designed. In Genesis, we see in the creation story, God crafts a companion for Adam because God says it is not good for man to be alone. We need others to help, to love, to pray for, to worship with. We are not meant to do this life alone. And we are instructed in this living word of God to reach out to others to walk with us and support us, and it goes against our grain. Please take this as holy instruction. Set your pride aside. Allow others to walk with you. It will be okay.
a response like this, like allowing others into our darkest secrets, this shows that we've humbled ourselves, as we talked about last week. We've humbled ourselves enough to realize that sometimes God's response to us comes in the form of another person. You ever consider that? We pray, oh Lord, do something to bring comfort or healing or peace or joy or steadiness. We pray for God's intervention in our lives, especially when we're emotionally overwhelmed. We pray for God's response. And friends, often God's response comes in the form of a friend or a stranger or a person, maybe even an enemy who God has worked within. Jesus put skin on to walk in this world with us. That's how important we are. God became flesh. Yet we don't always want to open ourselves up to show our vulnerability. And so my prayer for you today and for me, because trust, trust me, these words are for me as much as for anyone. Allow God to move in your life in the way that God wants to. Humble yourself and allow the community of faith to minister to you. There is power when we pray for one another. I often say in our communal prayer time that it is a sacred moment in our worship. We share those things that we carry with us. We share the joy of life's most sacred moments of babies and anniversaries and weddings and new jobs and exciting moves and all of the things we're blessed with. And we share the worries that we carry, illness and grief and wonderings. When someone speaks in our sanctuary and invites us into their lives and asks us to pray for them, it is a holy moment. And when we hold one another in prayer, it is a blessed opportunity I never take our communal prayer time for granted. When you invite me and the rest of this community of faith into your life to pray for you, please understand that we hold these prayer concerns and these praises with gentleness and faith and joy. Prayer time will always be a sacred time for me, and I hope it is for you also. Communal prayer changes our relationships with one another. There are often sides to ourselves that we allow the community to see in these brief moments of sharing that we won't share anywhere else. I've heard so many people stand and say, you're my family, and so I can share this. When we do that, when we gather and pray for one another, it is a glimpse of God's kingdom come. And heaven touches earth just for a brief moment. One final thought before we leave this text. James calls us to pray a faithful prayer. And you might say, well, duh, pastor, I'm praying. Isn't that a faithful prayer? Consider this, and I know that this is a struggle for many of us, and I was talking to the kids about it. If you pray a prayer and ask God for intervention or direction or whatever your conversation entails, if you praise God, and then you continue on living as if that prayer never left your lips. Is that a faithful prayer? If you continue on trying to manage the very thing that you asked for God's intervention, trying to 
to handle life? Have you prayed a faith-filled prayer? Do you believe that the words that you have spoken fall onto the very ears of the divine? Do you pray with the absolute belief in the faith of the conversation that you've just had? Do you pray with the intention to accept the will of God in whatever form it comes, knowing it is what is best? Or do you pray and then continue on living as if you never prayed at all? I wanna remind you of an old story about prayer. I've heard it in several different forms. It's a story of prayer and an umbrella. And it says, the rains failed again. It was the third year in a row of no rain. The crops had disappeared and the land was a brown swath of dusty rubble. Trees had lost their leaves years ago and stood as dark silhouettes on the dusty horizon. There was a stream that skirted the village in years gone by. Now the riverbed was dry. Where once flowed clean, fresh water from the nearby mountains, there was now a bed of clay, cracked wide. No one knew what had happened to the birds, except for the vultures that circled the town looking for the carcass of an animal long gone. There was famine in the land. People walked around like sticks, surviving on whatever ration was brought to them through various international charities. Desperate for help, the people of the village held a meeting under a big tree, and they said, we need to pray, only God can help us now. There lived people of many faiths in the village, and thus ensued a debate as to where to hold the prayer, in a church, in a mosque, in a synagogue, in a temple. There was no consensus. Exhausted, they finally decided to hold their prayer in the open, late at night, under the open sky, away from the town. Amongst the people gathered for prayer that night, a little girl came holding hands with her young brother, running from a nearby village, holding high an open umbrella over their heads. Huffing for breath, they stood there, looking up, umbrella unfurled. The gathering crowd could not help but turn around and wonder what was going on. Some were curious, others annoyed, some furious as they kept being poked by the spokes of the umbrella, the unnecessary umbrella. Finally, a curious bystander asked, why did you bring an umbrella? Can't you see there is no rain? We have come here to pray for rain. Only the foolish would stand on a clear night such as this with an open umbrella. Yes, indeed, said the young girl. We have come to pray too. We are certain that our prayer will be answered and it will rain. That is why we've brought this big, colorful umbrella. Friends, we are called to action. Action in our faith, action in our words and in our deeds. And so let us come like children, running forward to pray, carrying our umbrellas, as a symbol of our faith in the coming answer to our prayers. And all God's people said, amen.
It is only fitting that we lead right into a time of prayer following the word from James. If you 